0: ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on the laptop watch what i'm gonna do welcome to the show let them know we got a point of view hey yo let's have a combo say what you feel be real that's the motto real talk pronto dr d phd hit the intro hold up wait gotta be social network global, home for the local gotta be social network global, home for the local all right brian wonderful to have you on how the heck are you today
1: Doing pretty good, you know. uh, I live in Pasadena, in California, and we're having winter for the first time in a million years. We got snow. We got all kinds of stuff.
0: (laughs) California is going through a little weird winter uh, phase. Yeah,
1: (laughs) sure. Yeah, totally.
0: I wanted to ask you about something I was reading uh, about in your work um, about helping creatives um, get to where they want to be without all the suffering, and that really caught me. Can you explain a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. You know, typically I think I want to make sure that I believe that everyone knows that when I, when I talk about someone being creative, I think that everyone is creative, resourceful and whole. So everybody is a creative, whether we classify in the society that we live in, that your job is creative or not. I believe that everyone is creative. That being said, I tend to work with people who we do kind of classify as creative. So writers, directors, producers, photographers, actors, a lot of actors, um, a lot of writers and that particular, those art forms require of you a degree of putting yourself out there. A- unless you want to be, you know, putting on a play in your garage for your, you know, dolls or your grandma, there's a degree of putting yourself out there and continuously putting yourself out there because typically your ambition is big. You want to do bigger than just, you know, you're you're always on to the next bigger, more impact, reaching more people or make, reaching, making more money if that's a part of it as well. And so there's a very, I, there's a, I believe a unique, um, muscle, uh, we might say trauma, uh, a skill that's needed in being able to put yourself out there again and again and not feel defeated or feel like no one cares or question all of your life choices because you don't get the response that you expected. And so a lot of what I have learned to do is to help those types of people come up with systems that they can rely on and habits that they can rely on. So that instead of every single time it's, you know, tend to put yourself out there, it's the, com- it's, it doesn't become the uni- the huge conversation of, Ed, did I do the right thing with my life? Am I doing the right thing? Is this my purpose? Bah, bah, bah. Because it's my belief that, your purpose is given to you something bigger than yourself. And that's not the question. The question is how are you going to go about going towards it? And if I can see more people getting closer into executing their purpose, then selfishly, it's the better world that I want to be in. And so that's why I, I say that, you know, I help people creative people get what they want without suffering, because I believe that the suffering is something we can, we can leave behind, but I don't think you're meant to do that by yourself. I, um, uh, you're, I'm a non-denominational reverend, which means no dogma, no doctrine, no religion, all religions, right? The basis of spirituality. And so one thing that I believe is, you know, we enter heaven two by two, whatever, or nirvana, whatever word you want to word, but you enter heaven two by two. So it is unfair to think that you need to do this by yourself. Uh, And so the suffering comes from when I think you separate yourself from the rest of the people who are here, you separate your own journey from the rest of the people who are here. You say, I need to be liked, I need this. And let's all just be very you know, (laughs) realistic. We all had really well-intentioned parents, but we pick up stuff from our parents and our grandparents and ancestral drama and trauma and all of that. And so we can relate to our uh, passion and our purpose and the attention we're getting or not getting with that same parental kind of vibe And it gets in the way, it gets in the way of you really doing what you're meant to do. And so that's the, that's the work that I do is help them through marketing or reaching out or all the different forms that you can imagine putting yourself out there, advertising, whatever it is, that's where I come in and help them. And typically I'm talking about someone who is their own business, right? So I'm a writer. That's my business. I'm an actor. That's my business. I'm a director. That's my business. Right? So it's not the same as someone who I think it's the same muscle as the person who's got, I've got my own candle company, right? But typically those are the people I'm helping are people who are their own business, you know, like trainers, right? So right. those are the kind of people I work with. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. I think the suffering part is an interesting word. And you explained a little bit about that. Um, does anybody ever push back on maybe like, well, is suffering the same thing that you mean as like hardship and going through the business or jumping through hoops to get to where you want to be? Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the differences in that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that you you can't... Someone said once, and I don't know who said this, but like, if it's not hard, it's not worth having or something like that. And I don't actually think that that has to be true. You can choose the way of hard or not. You can decide to relate to something as though it's difficult or not, or that it's a challenge or that an obstacle is teaching what you need to te- to learn. This is not to make up for disparity in the world that I'm saying this. I want to make sure that I'm acknowledging that. But I also want to say, um, you know, yes, there's going to be times when you're going to be sweating and it's going to be the kind of sweating you want to be doing, hopefully. Like, I think that even, you know, I think that there's something called the myth of readiness, mm. which is we think, you know, like I'm supposed to, when I'm ready, I'll do it. When I'm ready, I'll do it. You yeah. know, I mean, I don't care if you're an Olympic 12-time gold medalist. When you get in the water, you're about to jump off that ski lodge, you go... Oh shit. It's about to happen. Like you have that feeling, right. And you need that feeling. And it's part of what makes you human and physiology and the chemicals that go inside of our bodies and all that stuff too, get us hyped up. Right. And so the, to me, you're not going to suddenly like, everything's going to be so easy. I'm using that word softly yeah. right now. Like it's going to be so easy to click send on this email. Well, Actually, no, you're probably going to be pulled to the I'm reaching out to this person i've always wanted to have a meeting with right now for the first time or and it's going to bring that that little scary edgy or you might call that exciting feeling i think our bodies register it the same way it depends on how you label it right so that isn't to say you're never going to get your hands dirty um but i think the the uh the perspective we want to bring to this is That hardship is different than adding a double layer of hardship or adding Mm. suffering to it or imagining like bringing it like every time you click an email, if you're saying, should I even be doing this in the first place? Does my family care about me? Does anyone love me? Is this, does, does being creative even have a purpose? If that conversation is there is not the same as, are you clear in your communication with this email where you're making this ask, right? And that double layer of suffering is what I'm trying to pull people away from.
0: And I love that. I mean, that was like a great way of explaining it. So I think if you look at something, you read something, you might take it a certain way, potentially. And that totally. clarification, the language of that, I think is so critical. Uh, I think for anyone, but especially, I mean, there's so many different creatives and things of that nature. And people have this kind of self-inflicted suffering. Uh, totally. That, and not right? intentional. It's not right. intentional.
1: You're not int- it's not self-inflicted on purpose. Right. But it is like bringing in a, a bigger, like if you can believe, if everyone listening, if you can just believe that thing that you want to do the very most is, if you can believe that that is a done deal, you will do that. Then the conversation about how you do that becomes so much easier because you're not constantly questioning, should I even do this? Is this the right thing to do? Um, and even if you can believe it for a couple hours of a day, when you first sit down to your computer for two, first two hours, I'm just going to believe I'm doing the right thing with my life. And these are all there for the first two hours I can do it. And then just see how much differently you're in the flow. That's when I think you can get all those divine inspirations and all that.
0: So when you, when you're working with people in your work, what are the kind of the most common self-limiting things that people come to you with?
1: Such a great question. No wonder people call you doctor. <laughs> um, um, I don't want to annoy people. I don't want to email more than once. That's a big one, right? I don't want to do an I don't want, I don't want to annoy people. Um I have to get everything perfect before I reach out. Um I don't know the right people yet. I need to know more people. It's not about loving up on the people I already know. These are some of the biggest ones. I would say that i hear again and again and again and i don't know about you but i open my email and the first thing i do is delete all the ones i didn't care about that day (laughs) right right and it's on that day because the next time i hear from them it might be a day when i do care about hearing from them and you know a course in miracles which is the tradition i was trained in for my my reverendship it it will say to you that uh to try to understand the motivations of others is dangerous to ourselves And I'll say that again, to try to understand the motivations of others is dangerous to ourselves. And everyone listening knows this because everyone has dated somebody and they got a text that confused them and they said, <laughs> why didn't they say this? And why aren't they writing me back right away? Or even the amount of time it took for them to write you back means something. We make meaning out of everything, right? And so if we are able to change or let go of, I would not even let go of, not pick up the story we want to write about those things. That is a space where people get into a lot of trouble, I would say. And then the other thing is like I just haven't met the right people yet, or I need to go meet more people. Like, chances are you have been provided the community that is necessary for you to achieve what you want to achieve. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be tapping into that community more deeply or asking a specific question of that community. But I want to believe that something greater than myself has connected me to the people in my life. And so if that's if I'm if I'm willing to see everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle, that's what Einstein said. And if I'm willing to see everything as a miracle, then I've been provided everybody that I need to meet. My job now is, oh, I need to make the ask. Hey, mm. I'm actually starting this business. Do you know anybody who, fill in the blank, or I'm trying to do this, I'm not good at it. It's my first time doing this. Do you know anybody who works in this arena? I'd love to have a conversation with them. Instead of, let me see if I can Google online who I have no connection <laughs> to, and like try to write the perfect, then you're starting like in the perfect email that I can ask, can I ask them for a coffee? I don't want to annoy them. So I really, um. I really think those are the three that I hear the most. I haven't met the right people. Uh, I like the perfectionist piece. And uh, what was the other one that I said? I lost it now. Those are the three pieces. Those are the things I hear over and over and over again. It's those three things over and over. Like, I don't want to annoy that. Yeah, I don't want to annoy them. I have to get everything ready first. And I don't know the right people.
0: So interesting. When you first started doing this work, how did that land on you when you first started hearing these things from people?
1: It's so antithetical to the way that I see the world. that's mm. so my in, immediate reaction is, what are you talking about? like what And so I think there was a little bit of in my initial early coaching that was just like slapping people into submission. Like, don't believe that anymore. <laughs> Do it this way. Right. That's wrong. Like there was a little, like I was very much bossy. I would say I'm yeah. still a little bossy in my coaching, I would say. But I think sometimes getting, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, he swears a lot when he's speaking. And he said, part of the reason that I'm, do that is it makes people jolt. It jolts Mm -hmm. them awake. It gets them to listen in a different way. And I think part of that is true and part of that's a cop out um, because swearing is fun and easy and it feels good and whatever. But I think it also does wake people up in some ways. And so I think that in the beginning, having that little bit of a slap from me would like knock out You know, I think of like the collars you put on the dog that have like the little zap, it'll zap them so that they pay attention. Right. Yeah. It kind of like, I don't want to be a shot collar of a coach, but I'm saying, I think at the time, (laughs) I think at the beginning, I was like, what are you talking about? Of course you have to ask for help because the mistake people make is when I'm perfect, then I'll be able to reach out for help or then I'll be able to reach out. And the truth is when you're perfect, you don't need me. You don't need help. You don't look like you need help. And in fact, many times I'll have people who will reach out and they will write this beautiful email, trying to just explain who they are and da da And I'll get to the bottom of the email. And I'll say, you've made zero ask. What do you want them to do? Is there a call to action here? You're just trying to show off because if you sound so perfect, which is delusional because you need to ask for help, then how do we know how to help you? I don't even see a role to help you in there. Yeah. So I think it's important that you, acknowledge not like when you acknowledge your obstacle in front of someone. It allows them, it allows them the chance to be enlisted and allows Mm. them the chance to say, oh, I can, I'd love to help with that. And by not naming it, by not naming it, I think two things, you look delusional, uh, you sound too perfect, or I don't know if I really want to help you because you don't know yourself enough for it to be even worthwhile for us to have a conversation. Like, it doesn't sound like you've got your stuff together yet here, right? You got, you it sounds like you're talking about a lot of things, um, and I think you know it's already there's an obstacle. I think most people have a hard time asking for help.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: you know, no one likes to ask for help. Um, I remember when I had to when I when I was acting. I was an actor before I did this, and I had to send an email to a bunch of people reaching out about getting a manager. And I could not send the email. My friend Sharon had to push send <laughs> on the email for me. Right, uh, and the greatest things came from that email. Um, but I was afraid to send it on I'm afraid to ask for help for some people. And when we start to normalize that humans like to be connected yep. humans like to be able to help and the people who aren't there to help you aren't meant to be there to help you so allowing someone to say no is a gift right a lot i think part of the reason why people are afraid to ask for help is they're actually not good at saying no the people who are good at saying no have a really easy time asking for help
0: so interesting right
1: so because I don't, yeah right i almost yeah. compare it to it's like
0: maybe it's different, but when you're giving someone compliments and they have a very difficult time receiving the compliment, they almost feel that it's not oh. worth it to them. They're not yeah. worthy of the compliment in, in a sense. Yeah. It's a very yeah. interesting psychology, Vaughn.
1: Yeah, and also, I think it's also funny when you say that because I was just talking to my partner this week about how I was reading, I'm a big manners person. Like yeah. I love to learn about manners. I think that manners can help us. I feel the I'm same not like way, a, by have- the way, Brian. Okay, really? okay good. Yeah. good. I'm also not like, if you have bad manners, I'm like, you're a bad person, but I think manners <laughs> right. can help us a lot, sure. right? But I'll just say that one of the things that I learned when I was reading is like, when someone gives you a compliment, you're not supposed to give one in return. Mm. You're supposed to say thank you. And if you have the occurrence to say something nice to them later, you certainly can, but you're not supposed to just say right back another compliment because it deflates. Their ability to compliment you. And I was like, oh, that's a tough one for most of us. Yes. I think most of us have learned you say something nice back. And the way you say it nice is give them another compliment, right? And so even making yourself sit in, thank you for saying that, yep. is, or whatever, <laughs> is a little uncomfortable. So, but there's something to be learned, I think, from that moment. But yeah, so the reason why I think a lot of people are afraid to say, ask for help is because they would have a hard time saying no to someone. And they're the person. And so, like, it's interesting, like, oh, Well, that's not my inability to say no, be the reason I don't ask for help. I'll work on my ability. to Let me get better with my boundaries also, by the way. Like that's another thing I should probably work on. It's definitely, uh,
0: boundaries is an interesting one. Do Do you think though that this is something that is particularly difficult? I know like most people have a creative aspect to it, but let's say actors who you're working with a lot. Is this a particularly difficult aspect of working with actors and knowing that world and the amount of rejection and putting yourself out there, is it particularly difficult in this environment?
1: Yeah, the, but yes, but, or yes, and I should say, <laughs> I have right. a really hard time with actors making themselves special. Mm. Let me say what I mean by that. Or anyone, we're all special and no one is special. You know, there's something that i I, I steal this phrase. You never want, I think that many of us can suffer from terminal uniqueness, Ooh. which is my situation is so unique that nothing, none of the advice that I hear can apply. Yeah, but you need to know this about me before you tell me that. And nothing that you try to help me. Yeah, but you don't understand this about me. Yeah, but I had this kind of parent. And this happened to me when I was a kid. And my teacher said this to me. And I almost had this job or this. And so we can bring this terminal uniqueness to the point where it is a cage that you have self-imposed. And this is not to take away. There is trauma that needs to be healed. And there's trauma that needs to be acknowledged. There's, There's lived experiences that deserve your psychic attention but we can use them against ourselves right and i think many people know that and they're working on that i'm not saying that like this, is like just so easy flip a switch and it's all good right I, that's yeah. not what i'm trying to say at all but when we suffer from terminal uniqueness it's like so for example in my courses when i work with people they'll be like a few people on a call like there could be 70 people on a call someone at the beginning of call will ask a question an hour later someone will ask the same question using different words not realizing the answer that I gave or the way that we worked that out is exactly applicable to their situation because, but because wasn't the exact words but I'm having a lived experience that may feel different than the words that that person used right and so I think it's important that we kind of temper that I think actors can particularly um suffer from that particular malady I should say mm. because when we are uh because as an actor so much of you is in it's important for you to be in touch with this instrument over here, right? This body, this heart, this soul, right? And so there's a a doubling down on the focus of how do you feel in some ways. Mm. Um, I think that's true of most artists that was like, you know, we're using feelings to help dictate what we're creating sometimes if we're not using just our brain uh, or our our, our thoughts, right? And so that I think is a it is particular to the audience that I can work with at times. Yeah.
0: Do you think this terminal uniqueness, is it something you feel it's intentional sometimes or it's just unintentional? It's just
1: Unintentional, but the moment you identify it in yourself, you can now be like, "Oh shoot, I'm doing it again." Like, then you can start to notice it, right? right? But you have to start to figure it out a little bit to to hear it first, right? It 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 is painful. I think terminal uniqueness is a painful. Mm. Uh, it's a bludgeon. It's a. It leaves you feeling lonely. It leaves you feeling like the only lonely. Um, it feels like Evan Hansen on the outside looking in. <laughs> like you're the only one who's not right. in the in the game. Um, and we are given re reaff- uh, you know, affirmation of that inside of our society. When you don't get chosen for the team, when you're in sixth grade, when you don't get chosen for the cheer team, or you didn't get the lead role in high school, there's plenty of, you didn't get the job you wanted, or that client didn't say yes to you. You're, you're given places to evidence. If you wanted to run with the idea, I am terminally unique. You could find evidence in your life around that. Right. Yeah. And there's another way to look at it, which I think is you are perfectly special. And so is everyone else. Yeah. And I think that kind of the thing that reason why we think we rebel against that is it has the means the death of the ego, mm. right? Because you're special. I'm special. Everyone on the street is special. Everyone is special. And that doesn't take away anything from my specialness. It right. adds to yours. We're all special. There's certain gifts that you have that I will never have. Right. So the, right. The, that, 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 the wealth of gifts here, you know, I was talking to an actor yesterday She was really in the the grips of terminal uniqueness because she'd booked a job for this this commercial uh, and she'd already shot it and it was with this famous person. And then three weeks later, her friend booked a commercial, same company, same famous person. And she was like, I can't get excited for her. That was, I booked that job. Like, why does she have to book the same one? And why does it have to be my, and all the people in the world, why does it have to be my friend? And she's like not liking herself because she wants to be excited for her friend. Right. But she said, I feel like by her booking it, it took away how special it was for me. Mm. And that is of her own creation. Right. And so it's just so, you know, when you see it in an example, you can kind of understand it, I think a little bit more, but um, yeah, I see that. That's that that part comes up, and it can really. I think it's like a way of you know, turning against yourself without knowing that you're doing it. Yeah, because I don't want to take anyone's specialness away. Absolutely not. You are special for sure, but your specialness can be that which hurts you in some ways.
0: And yeah, it's so interesting. I love this stuff. How does this? How have you related this to um, your work and spirituality as a reverend? How has this been infused into your work?
1: Well, a course of miracles would say you think you have many problems, but you have one, and that is that you believe we are separate from each other. Mm-hmm. And so, it's a very clear distinction to me that you know we're you're uh, you know you're seeing me. We're we're recording this over Zoom right now, and you can see this sign behind me that says "Be kind, be kind, be kind." And to me, all spiritualities can be summed up in those two words: "Be kind." And so what I find is we are really, we don't realize how much we take kindness out of business and business relationships, or we don't uh, offer humanity. And it, the truth is it's a vulnerable place to be often. And I don't want to say this like being cordial manners. Cause I know we talked about manners earlier. Yeah. This is different than that. A lot of times when it talks, when you're going public, let's say with your big idea, whether that's creative or business idea, you are the vulnerable one first. Because you're like, "Hey, people, I'm doing this new thing," or "Hey, I need an agent if it's an actor," or "Hey, I'm having a gallery show," or "Hey, I'm looking for ten new clients in the next couple of like that's vulnerable position to be in because you're really opening yourself up. And what happens is, we make we want to we want to armor up. Of course, We want to sound perfect. Business is going great. I happen to have a couple spots over here if you're looking to get fit this year. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Right. Well. Cool, I might. I mean, Cool, he doesn't. He's doing good. Good, he's he's doing great. Let's. I'll let him know when I got somebody that needs a job, needs something. But like, he's doing great. <laughs> that is not what. That's not the truth. The truth is, hey, uh, September is a slow time for uh, for for those of us in fitness. And I'm looking for four clients to take me through the end of the year. Would love some support. If you know anybody who knows it, I've got something. To go like that is a way to say specifically what's going on with you. Another way to do it, rather than making it about the intricacies of your business, is to talk about. Why do you freaking care so much about helping people in this way?
0: Mm.
1: You know, I, and I think a lot of us see this in our content creation, but we don't always see this in our asks for those of you who may create content here, cause you might be in your content. You're saying, well, I'm taking a stance on junk food and I'm taking a stance on using MCT oil, and I'm taking a stance on this or that, whatever. And then what is the stance for why you do this work in the first place? I mean, the way I do, why I do this work with crazy it's very simple it's pretty selfish. And I think that's okay. I work with creative people because I love walk. I love working with people who have a really expressive and I love because I can immediately see if something is working for them. And I was an actor, so I have all this language that I can bring to it. So it feels pretty good to be able to do something that I'm good at when I'm working with creative people who put themselves out there all the time. Right. So I will specifically speak into the, I love this because I believe that creatives can change the world and I want to be a part of that conversation. That's what I want to see. That's the world that I want to see. And it's also a conversation where creatives I believe are always political. There's no creative act. That's not political. I believe that in terms of like creativity, the way we're talking about it in the way that that exists Mm. in the world. And that means I get to be having those conversations and living out that mission and those values in the conversations that I'm having. and so I think that's an important thing that you say, why it is important to you? And that can feel vulnerable. Um, and, and time and time again, what I have found is that vulnerability is the way to yeah. success. And so many inside and out is what I found over and over again.
0: How was that conveyed to actors who are, you know, trying to get all these different jobs and gigs and like, how do I create that vulnerability in my mission to do this? Versus maybe just the vulnerability and like, let's say auditioning and that, you know, the difference between those two.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, this usually comes down to representation and that's something I'm really well, I helped a lot of actors get representation, right. Get managers and agents. And the reason why I think managers and agents are such a tricky thing for, uh, actors. And I think everybody can relate to this. Who's listening, no matter what kind of profession you're in is because an agent is someone else who is hired by you, but they choose you. And it is their job to, in some ways, be a parental figure, because they're going to be the one who's proud of you as you're doing your work. And they're helping you make some money and all that stuff. There's a lot of baggage that comes along with that. And so most actors want to show up shiny and perfect when they're reaching out to representation. Like, look at me. I am doing it. I'm getting A pluses over here. Aren't you proud of me? When in fact, when it says like, I, this, or like this is a moving train. Everything's going great. I'm getting all these auditions. If you want to get on train, get on board. Let's go. Well, if I'm the manager or agent looking at you, then I go, you don't need me. Things are going great. It doesn't sound like I can do better than what you've got going on. Right. So the vulnerability that an actor has to bring when it comes to the business, not just in an audition, which is what your question yeah. was, is here's what I've achieved, which is your resume. So I don't want to reduce you to your resume because I know you audition a hundred times to every gig you book. <laughs> here's my resume. And then here's where I've been close here are some of my almosts here are the places where I got really close to getting this job, or I got a call back. And this relates, I think, to any business where like you get the runner up or you're the finalist, or you get part of a grant or you don't get the grant, but you applied and you got really far in that this is showing you're in the mix of this business, right? You're in it, you're out there doing it. And I think that is vulnerable because you're not sharing, you're not reducing yourself to your wins and you're willing Mm. to be seen for your effort. And I think we can, you know, wins can be checked off very quickly. Effort is something we need to be able to track as well. And I think a lot of us can say, I'm persevering. I work really hard, but but." no one cares. No one cares, no Uh, one cares. Those are words on a page. Show me that you work really hard. This casting director called me in three times. I've never booked yet, but I know that they love me. That shows me you work really hard because I'm seeing a track record. Right, And it's vulnerable because you're saying, I haven't booked with them yet. right? Or whatever the thing is. Again, I want to make sure everyone who's listening is relating this to whether you're an actor or not of how this can work, because it does not matter. We want to see. And the truth is, that is empirical evidence. This casting director called me in three times. Obviously, they are a fan. That is empirical. It can't be fought with. It's not an opinion. What we tend to do is. Here's all the awesome things I've done. Make a list. And then let me say a bunch of opinions about myself. I'm a really hard worker. You can always count on me. I'm a professional actor. Blah, blah, blah. No one cares. No one cares because <laughs> anyone can say that. That's and true. I'm not to say that because I don't love you saying that. And I don't care about that at you, but you have to convince me because I'm standing at the line at Starbucks with my kids screaming, looking at my phone, reading my emails. And you're saying this to me in an email. I'm going to pick the one that feels more real to mm. me. And that is vulnerable. That's a vulnerable for you to put out there. I'm in my career, even though I haven't achieved everything that I want to. Wow. That is important. And remember, I always think that people, and this is an important lesson that I had in my own work, is people respond more to your striving than Mm. to your perfection. So when I say to someone... I, so I remember when I launched my own podcast, it was nervous. I had like 12 episodes of in the can before I ever let it out. I was like, <laughs> nobody can listen to this. I can, can, like, I didn't want to be somebody other else, just another person with the podcast. I had all these stories written about it. Right. And so when I was going out with my podcast, that's what I was writing in my emails. I've been sitting on these, you know, 12, seven to 12 episodes for the past nine months because I was afraid of being perfect. Well, I'm breaking the seal. Here's what it feels like inside. If you're still, if you've never felt this way, then please stop reading this email and delete it. If you've ever felt this way, please stay with me. Like I really narrated my own experience of that vulnerability of putting it out into the world. And I was really happy with the way my podcast launched. My podcast launched with a tremendous amount of vulnerability of asking which one of these, I don't know what to do for my cover of my artwork yet. Which one do y'all like first? Right. Like what, you know, would you buy, would you please, are you open to giving me a review? Right. We open to a lot of reviews and a lot of when we first started podcasts, because I said, this is brand new for I even called out Apple. I was like, Apple's not the best at helping new podcasts. Here's why I need your help. And like, that is me striving. And because I've done my homework, you're more willing to get on board. When I explain, this is why Apple's difficult when you're a brand new podcast, unless you're Joe Rogan and I don't want to be Joe Rogan. Right. So like (laughs) that, right. So like that, that was all part of a way that a person, a person on the outside or the community you've cultivated gets to say, Oh, I get it. I get, I see the human here. And I think that's really important.
0: I think it's incredibly important, I think. But we're not necessarily socialized or ha- having these conversations with a lot of other people. I think it's a much outcome-oriented situation. Yeah. What's the outcome I want? And that's what we need to focus on. That's generally what the conversation often devolves into.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that you know when we, and I hope you get the outcome. You want everybody, I hope everybody gets the results that they want, but I just want to make sure, you know, that if we are, I call this, the, like the constant grocery shopper, it's like, you go get all the groceries at the grocery store, you fill up your refrigerator and then you're making your list again before you've even <laughs> yeah. eaten. So like you got the gig and then you're thinking about the next gig. You got the gig. You're like, can we like take, can we have some nourishment of the, what you just here. did for yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take it. Right. And so, um, I think, you know, I do hope you get your outcome, but I always like to relate to, you know, I hate the word goal. I mean, I don't hate the word goal and I do hate the word goal. Here's why I hate the word goal. I hate the word goal because I think we usually set ourselves up to if I achieve that, then I am successful. I think there's been a lot of backlash around the word goal lately, actually, because a lot of people understand that there's more to it than that. But I always say, you know, you get about one sports analogy a year from me, but the one that I like (laughs) to use is if you can think of God, universe, Buddha, whatever you believe as a, as a quarterback and if you're running around the field, trying everything new, and we cannot see where you are going, you're not going to be able to catch the ball when it gets thrown to you. If you are running towards, I want to make my first, you know, six figure whatever, because this is why I care about it and da da da, And I can see you walking towards that. God, universe, Buddha, whatever is going to know how to throw that ball to you. Now, that ball might look like you hitting your goal, might look like this incredible opportunity that's going to help you get on the way there. But if you don't have a goal to walk towards, you won't know if that is an opportunity, dis, uh, a distraction disguised as an opportunity or an actual opportunity. You'll just, anything that's coming my way, I'm getting because I'm running all over the field. I'll take anything, right? <laughs> but if you know where you're going, you may say, oh, I can change a course now because this is awesome and I want to do this. But I think you have to have a way, something something you're heading towards, right? Yeah. And it just allows you to be more nimble, I think, when you have a direction. I think a lot of people may be afraid because a lot of time when I talk about goal setting, someone says, yeah, but if I choose that, I have to say no to this. Mm. I say, well, how about, can we just choose like the most important thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can probably do that. And then all of a sudden, these other like awesome things happen along the way because we can see where you're going. We know where the path, we know where the train is yeah. going. People want to mm. get on a moving train. They just want to know where it's going. They want to know where it's headed.
0: So you are you a proponent of, how do I say this? Well, people who are like doing a lot of different things and it seems like there's just so much going on or focusing on a few things really well and moving towards that. What do you think about that?
1: Of course, I'm thinking about myself right now, right? <laughs> and so what I'm thinking about myself right now is, so I have a team, I have a company, I have things that we do inside my company. One of the things that I help actors do is I have them get really help them get agents. We've talked about that. That's one of the things I do. There is time on my calendar every single week where I'm with actors, helping them to do that. In that time, I am focused on that one thing. There's a lot more hours in the week, right? There's the time that I spend in a meeting with my team where we're talking about efficiencies and how to support them. And can we get everybody health insurance yet? And how we like, that part of the conversation gets to happen. So am I doing a lot of different things? Sure but the bottom line is where we started i help creative people get what they want without suffering so if i'm walking towards that that is a path that has come with it you know learnings about diversity around scholarship yeah. around reparations around uh who do we want to be supporting in this what kind of business are we becoming right so i think You know, I I believe in that if everyone's read the book, the one thing where like when you choose one thing and you Mm -hmm. just go towards that, it can be really helpful to you. But what I would say is the one thing doesn't have to be, I'm making vanilla candles and I'm not making anything but vanilla smelling candles. (laughs) It could look like I really care about how people feel in their homes. And I want to create a line of products that helps people feel cared for, comforted at home when they're in their home. And so that, that, that mission, I think
0: the mission. attached yeah. to
1: whatever the actions are, I think is a helpful way to think about it. So I, I am a, I am a fan of when you're in the beginning of whatever, as you're creating go small rather than go big to start, right. Um, niche down when you can, and then you can expand from that niche, but I think it has to be rooted in a ministry. I think whatever you're doing, you're doing it for a reason. Mm. If you're not doing it for a reason, you will lose steam and it won't because you didn't just get enough good sleep last night. So, <laughs> bigger than that right? You'll lose steam because you're not rooted yeah. in the purpose of it. This is why, you know, people get excited about startups but when it doesn't make a lot of money. They like want to leave and go to the next job, right? It's yeah. just about the money, which there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to really check it. Well, I bet you that money has meaning to you. Oh, yeah. to me, that money means I'll be able to provide for my family or I'll be able to get the kind of house I've always dreamed of because I want to have six kids and I want to be able to provide for them and send them all to college, like have the life I never had. Like So whatever the meaning is behind it, I think frees you is the bigger question. I think, I guess is where yeah. I'm landing with this is a bigger question than does it need to be only a few things or do everything. I'm much more a fan of the few things, but it supposed to be rooted in why.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the ministry that really resonated with me. I, I don't often hear that word associated with this topic. Yeah. Why is, why do you think that is?
1: Well, I think ministry, reverend, non-denominational reverend, church, temple, all these words have bad connotations now. Right. Because so many, I'm not, I'm not dogging religion, but a lot of religions have brought things down. Not good right. things have happened. Right. And there are certain sects of religions S-E-C-T-S, I'm saying sects of religions (laughs) that are evangelical, puritanical, go against people's political beliefs, or like, really, you must do it this way. There's no other way. And so I think a lot of those, that these words have gotten connotations that don't, you know, they don't, they don't feel right anymore. And so what I'm saying ministry, I'm saying, you know, what is your life's purpose? When I say, what is your life's purpose? I sound like an asshole because I sound like every life coach in the world. I think the ministry (laughs) to me, at least for myself, brings up something different. We separate it from its religious meaning, any religious meaning, and ministry doesn't you you administer to plants, you administer right. to the, right? So so what is your ministry? What is it the change that you're hoping to make? Or change might feel like a big, too big of a word at times, but like what is the who you're ministering to? Who are you helping? Who you're being of yeah. service to, I think. And even the words of service, I think sometimes feel a little lame to me. So ministry, ministry makes more sense to me because it lets me feel. Eh, I mean, it's a little egotistical, but it lets me be in my own purpose. let me know that I'm in my purpose or when I'm not, you know, it helps me make decisions. Like this is not something I need to worry about. This is kids play. This is actually what I'm doing. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, and I think he, that this yeah. is,
1: yeah, go ahead.
0: Humans are meaning makers, man. You yeah. Know, we make meaning out of so many things, but we've, we've in many ways, bastardized a lot of terms. And See, to min- ministry to me is a beautiful term. I love me it. Yeah. I think it's just so beautiful. It, it it makes me think of positive things. But I also acknowledge that it has a very negative connotation to a lot of people. Yeah. But I want I want that to change. I me want too. to turn these things into better uh, feelings for people because there's yeah. such a negative feeling for so many people when you use yeah. spiritual based terminology or religious based terminology in business.
1: Totally. When Especially in fact like even, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally amazing. And I, even when I have to say non-denominational reverend, I would love to just say reverend right. and know that I'm not talking about any religions. But I have to say that because I don't want anyone to be uh, obstructed mm. from hearing something that might help them today or, or to take with them what they're what what they what they meant to get from this conversation, right? Right, because they'll close and the door first. Yeah. If
0: you say something, the door will shut. Yeah. If it's given right. in this, it's like, oh, I've right, nope, had a bad experience. All right, no, this has been mm-hmm. bad. It's how you phrase things but there's so much beauty in the terminology that yeah. we've, we've got to like reclaim it. I love and that. Yeah. You know, we've got to yeah. reclaim it in, to restore the beauty of what it actually is for that.
1: Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you just have he, a different he,
0: like, take on it, man. You know? Yeah.
1: You have to also think that like, we might think of only creative people as having a ministry because we are, it's easy to understand. Because obviously you're an actor and you know what to do. I mean, we've bought into, if someone becomes an actor, it's going to be a challenge. The whole world has bought into this idea, right? Because I want everyone to know God or whatever you believe God is, does not think that at all. (laughs) God does not say, you know what? I'm going to make all the artists, they should have hard lives. That's going to be what happens. The struggling artists,
0: the starving artists. Right.
1: (laughs) We've been sold that story by la bohème in the form of la bohème moulin rouge rent over a million times right (laughs) so uh that is to say um the accountant has a ministry the accountant who is happy to his his or her job has a ministry understands why they're doing it has made it has made meaning of it has made impact of it has understood what it does for others you know when you when People get to the heart of who they are. They really are in their most honest space. Almost everyone has something about helping others at their heart. And so you can be an accountant who says, I'm just moving numbers around. And maybe it will fulfill you to a certain degree. But I can imagine if you imagine I'm an accountant who's helping these businesses that do these incredible things because my business does this. And they are. I know what my clients are and what they do in the world and that I am part of that engine or whatever does that, that account I can imagine is a lot happier. And even better at their job, because this does not make you dumber. It makes you smarter, you start to see on a different level. What it is you're able to do you don't become dumber when you become spiritually evolved you become smarter i want to make sure everybody hears that because i think a lot of people can think yeah but then all my edges are going to get softened do i sound like i mean i don't think my edges have gotten softened at (laughs) all i might be really nice now (laughs) but like i will just as much say no that is a dumb idea can you do it this way instead i will say that to you can we do it this way this is not the way to do this right um but it's given me the perspicacity to know where there can be kindness in any situation. It's given me the ability to see beyond what the word someone is saying to me, like, should I partner with this person or not? They they look great on the resume, but I just don't have a good feeling about them. Yeah. And that feeling is something we need to learn to trust at times, good or bad, I think, right? Yeah.
0: yeah man, I think that feeling is such, and, and you get that when you meet people, the feeling they give you. I tell this to people all the time. It's like, how do you make other people feel? Like Mm -hmm. when you meet them, do they do they feel like I just don't really want to be around this person? What is that about you that people have this? You know, when somebody says, well, you know, if you ask somebody, well, what's the biggest misperception people have about you? People seem to not want to spend time with me. Okay, you know this. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) You know, What's the feeling you give people when you're around them? I think it's really important to, like, digest that. Or think yes. really reflect on that like what is it about my presentation of self not what you're wearing just just you what you bring how does mm-hmm. that affect people it sounds like you're doing a lot of that is the yeah. vulnerability of self and how you make people feel about you
1: yeah i always say like i always say this to actors i say you can have the most perfect resume incredible credits awesome headshot amazing reel. You know, have just gotten off the set from a multi million dollar movie. But at the end of the day, when you meet with that agent or manager, all that's already happening, they still have to have a good feeling about you.
0: Yeah.
1: That your resume doesn't matter at that point. I have to have a good feeling about you. And so, I, you know, you, you're, the question you ask is so, so good because I think people need to take a moment and say, how do I make other people feel just by being in the room? Yes. And it's probably been true about you since the day you were born. <laughs> yeah. So rather than, and I mean, you might've got picked up some baggage along the way, right? but you can ask your best friends. They'll tell you this, if you don't know, how does it feel to be around me when I'm talking or not? And they'll say great. And best friends who can be vulnerable with you that say, well, sometimes I'm on edge because it feels like you've got a certain way you want people to be like, people will give you both the good and the bad yeah. here. yeah. Or, and, and I don't even label it as bad, but like how it's, you know, what you, what comes into the room. And when you know what you bring into a room, You can use that to your advantage,
0: Yeah,
1: right? You can put people at ease. You can put them on edge. You can, you know, I'm not saying to like use it for bad reasons, but I'm saying you can use that in a way that you should use it because that is the gift you've been given. That's what's unique about you. That's what you bring to people when you're, if you're an actor, when when you're on set, no matter what character you're playing, when you're a business person, what you'll bring into those meetings. I remember being in a meeting once, it was a tough meeting and I knew I was going to a tough meeting. And I remember there, I was like, I'm. There's going to be people full of fear here, including myself. Mm. And I just, and I was like, I want to really be able to communicate in this meeting. And I came up with this little phrase for myself. And I don't know where it came from. Cause I didn't look, I wasn't looking for a phrase, but I just had one. And the phrase was, and y'all throw it out if the word doesn't work for you. But the phrase that came to me, I don't know where was. God is also here. For some reason that just kept me in the room in a way that when this, this man said something to me, I heard beyond the words he said. And I saw in him, I've known this man for years, a change in the way he started to communicate to me. Mm. He suddenly knew, oh, I'm safe. I can speak what's honestly bothering me. It was a business meeting. It was a tough business meeting, essentially. And so it really affected so much of what happened next because we didn't have to have our haunches up, have our armor on. Because we could learn and listen in that way. And it do, And I think we tend to think like, certainly you're going to do all your legal dot your, cross yeah. your T's and dot your I's. This isn't to say you don't do that. But then you listen at this level. Then you have a meeting at this level. Then you know which T's to cross and I's to dot. You are more certain. Um, because no matter what happens on the page, still you probably want someone to do something or take some action. or And this way you are really feeling through What's this? What's going on here? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I just love this so much. I mean, this resonates, resonates with me so much. And I think some people think I'm crazy do this, but I have an 11 year old daughter, and I always check in with her. And I said, What type of dad do you think I am right mm. now? How can I be a better father to you? And they're like, you actually want the answer to that? I'm like, how do my how am I going to know?
1: What kind of what answers do you get from an 11 year old? I'm so curious. Oh,
0: man. She she goes, Daddy, I think you're doing a great job. You know, and he goes like, I just want like spend more time like that's kind of like they tell you. That's not bad to me. That's just it's jet fuel. It's propulsion for me. Yeah. Hey, it gives me feedback. I need that. I need to check in. How do I make you feel about me being your dad? Mm. I do the same thing with my wife, my part. Same thing how am I doing? I'm 18 years in, man. No. I love it. But I always check in. How can I be better in this relationship? And the whole thing that I think is, we're not taught to do that. No. We're just we're we fear No, because then you have to hear somebody say something.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, what if someone says something bad about what I do. A bit? <laughs> right. What am I going to do? Am I going to am I going to lose this connection if I hear right. something negative? Right. And so we're and I think we're driven by that connection. And I love that yeah. question.
0: And that fear, like you said, you go, and I know there's going to be a lot of fear in here. And as we're living on the edge of that fear constantly, it feels like I'm fearful of what people think of me, the type of work I'm doing. Will this be accepted? The whole thing.
1: Yes, totally. totally. I love
0: that. You, I feel like you're trying to like, you're trying to let's, let's wade through this. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's slow down yeah. and think about this actually, you know?
1: Yeah. There's something that I talk about a lot in, um, So like I said, no religions, all religions, but in Japan, you know, Shintoism is a, is a form of religion there. And um, and when you're walking towards a Shinto shrine, there's something called a Tori and a Tori is like an orange gate. You've probably seen them before because lots of appropriation goes on in this country, the United States. So you've seen these orange (laughs) gates before and they're put outside of a Tori, they're put outside of a temple and they're this color, it's called vermilion actually. I love that word, right? Love that word. And they're this color and they're meant to say to wake you up to say you're walking from the mundane to the sacred as you walk from the path you're on and you walk into this temple space you're walking from the mundane to the sacred and i always say they're going like wake the hell up bitch before you come over here get it together get in your <laughs> right mind because we need you on the right mind over here because that's the that's the space we're occupying over here is the right minded space and i think that we need those in our own life we need places where we go i've i need to walk through that I need to walk through that Tory. It's called the Tory gate. I need to walk through that Tory of my mind and go, I'm going home for the holidays. I'm going to see my family. They're going to all ask me what I do with my life. I know that's going to be hard on me. What do I need to keep myself centered, to keep myself kind, to not get sucked into old stories of what their questions mean because they're really just curious, right? And so the, you know, A Course in Miracles would say our, our, our function is to forgive. To forgive, to forgive, to forgive, over and over and over and over again, and I always, add, you know, one of the phrases from a course of miracles is "be determined each day to leave your function unfulfilled," and I love that phrase: "be determined each day, not, uh, be determined each day not to leave your function unfulfilled." Mm. And that, and in, I kind of have a dual meaning for this: is, you know, course would say your your function is forgiveness, and mine is whatever your function is. Do. So this is when you know, if anyone listening here, you know, you know, you have a passion, and if it's painting, it's it's training, it's working with your team, whatever it is. And you are distant from that. The number of like, if you haven't done that in a number of hours, you've had some time off or you haven't, if you're an actor, I'm like, when's the last time you acted? Yeah. You feel disjointed. You feel out of sorts and you feel out of sorts because you haven't been in your function. And too Hmm. often, like for an actor specifically, it's like, I haven't been on a set. Well, have you been to acting class? A painter is not only painting because he knows it's going to hang in the louver They're (laughs) painting because they have to paint, right? Love that. Yeah. And so a lot of us are taken care of, reminded of our function. When we people go to church, that's why they go to temple. That's why they go to yeah. these places where it is a space reserved for, we're here to remember who we are. Get six more days of the week to be that person though. Remember the truth of who you are, right? So it's important to find. So I can imagine when you have these beautiful conversations with your wife and with your kids, like that yeah. is a moment of you reminding yourself and reminding, it's actually reminding them in that same moment yeah. too. Like I'm your dad. And I want to be really good at it. Let's remember that. Yes. And so I'd love to hear your feedback. I'm, I'm open to hearing what, what needs to happen. And that's a beautiful reminding. Um, it's almost kind of like,
0: too, like when, you know, I've been in the fitness business 23 years, I've been a trainer the entire time, working really hard. And uh, I have a lot of wonderful colleagues, but a lot of the pathway is get in through this door and then leave that door behind and mm-hmm. move up into management. And to an executive role, and I've done all those things, still do that, but I've always stayed being a trainer because I always want to remember who I am in this yeah. business. I love being around people one-on-one, developing relationships, and the exercise is a uh, price of admission for a developing yeah. relationship for yeah. that. And I think some, it's very easy. There's a whole kind of psychology behind the further up you go, the less you have in common with where mm-hmm. you were. And remembering how important that is yeah. uh, to remember who you actually are. Maybe this isn't actually who you've moved up into, but you're forgetting that yeah. journey of how difficult it is and how important it is to be centered in that.
1: Thing. Oh yeah. I mean, I talk about this when I think about people who become coaches and I say, well, are you coaching or are you just creating programs and a business and dah, dah, dah? <laughs> like you need to be coaching all the time because right. that is your person. Those are your people Like a coach is a, one-on-one relationship, whether it's a group scenario, you're still working yeah. with people, like you need to be with people. So you're hearing the stories of your clients and you're hearing what's getting yes. in their way and you're reacting. And the reason why you're so awesome at your job is because you've worked with a bunch of them. And so you can, yeah. well, this is what worked for this client. And here's what I know is a way to help with that. And I think what you're saying is true. We can really forget who we are. And then there's also the truth of, you know, growing into our second act or going into our third sure. act of who you're becoming, right? And honoring that, but not forgetting. Not of who you are, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think people get scared of that too. People who are afraid of success or people will say, I think I'm just afraid of success, which I think is a bit of a (laughs) cop-out. But I think what you're really trying to say is I get in my own way a lot. Mm. I get in my own way a lot. I will find reasons to self-sabotage, right? I would rather stay safe than step forward. Yeah.
0: Man, that's powerful. I mean, I've heard that many times, almost kind of like the person who's almost going to graduate from whatever they're doing. Oh, right. And they, they all of a sudden they drop out and you're like, you're yeah. almost there. You yeah. Know? I have One more
1: credit. I have one more credit to do, but I'm no, I'm going to pull back no. now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's amazing that's- how often something like that actually happens in our world.
1: Well, you know, if we can, I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to give everyone a quick little biblical story, even though I'm not a biblical person. Right. <laughs> but if, uh, but you're all going to know the story because we all know of the movie, the 10 commandments, if you haven't seen it, but <laughs> uh, the Israelites were captured by Pharaoh and they're all mm-hmm. slaves in Egypt. And then he lets them go and they go running towards the red sea. And they're, I mean, 40 years, but they get to the red sea <laughs> and then it's not that fast. Okay. It wasn't so they that get to the red yeah. Sea, And at, when they get to the red sea, Pharaoh goes, no, I think I want them to be my slaves again. And so then the soldiers are coming after them and they're at the Red Sea and they're walking into the water. And I like to think of the water being right below your nose. It's this high before it's gonna, you don't know it's gonna part. So you're this high. And if I take one more step, I will die. If I take one more step, I will die. In the imagining of faith, because in that moment, the way that the story goes, they all looked back and said, maybe we should go back to where the Pharaoh was. Maybe that would be better. And that's that moment of not taking that final credit. Because if you take that next step, if you allow yourself to have faith that you can take this next step and you will live, you become a different person. Yeah, And sometimes we're not comfortable enough to become this new person. Who mm. are you after? Everyone listening can think of a moment when you're like, whoa, I learned something about myself in that moment. I knew something about myself. I knew I had some strength. The first time this happened, the first time the first time I taught a group class and it was like more than four people enrolled, I was like, oh my God, maybe I really am a teacher. Like obviously <laughs> I'd been teaching for a long time, but that was the thing that suddenly unlocked it for <laughs> me, right? And then I identified with myself differently. And then that thing, which was a characteristic that I wish I had about myself, became a strength. But we have to be willing to believe we can take one more step and we won't die. If I accept that, if I accept this degree, oh my gosh, I'll be able to carry this degree. I'll be able to yeah. hold this degree. The old me will be the old me will no longer exist. Yeah. Those are like, you know, somebody would call those like a portal that you step through where you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm gonna do, yeah. That's I think that's important to notice that those we're gonna have those in our lives.
0: Most adolescence.
1: Adolescence is one we all have, right? We all work through our adolescence, which is a crazy time for most everybody, right? <laughs> that was one that was given to you, and it was given to you at a young age. And I think it's given to you at a young age to be like, "Hey, you're going to have many of these in your lifetime. You're going to have times when you're not going to know who you're being on the other side of this." Yeah, right.
0: So powerful, man. I got to tell you, Brian, you are. People must really enjoy working with you. Seriously, Thanks. you have such a great perspective, and you have this great uh way of you that i feel like you know how to like push people forward and push them but in a very beautiful way in a (laughs) way that doesn't feel negative it just feels like i'm i'm on your team but hey we got to get move forward (laughs) (laughs) what are we doing what are we doing here you know what's going on it's like the the stories the analogies the wisdom uh it's it's beautiful honestly it's beautiful it really is
1: Thank you so, 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 so much. I'm really glad I had a chance to be here and connect with you and your audience. Yeah.
0: And it's just a pleasure meeting you. And th- that's you. my purpose on this show is just to meet people and to build relationships. The same, my mission, my whole life has been meeting people, developing and nurturing all these relationships and, 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 and moving forward and being a good person to other people. Yeah. I Just, you know, showing my humanity. That's what I want to yeah. do. With
1: that is, I mean, that is a very lucky place to be That was a good, I mean, I was lucky, <laughs> meaning we all should be there, but I'm lucky. I think I am lucky to be able to be in a space where you're really yeah. occupying that, you know, yeah. these words don't come out. I, you know, I said, heaven is entered two by two. This is a, you know, I appreciate the space you created today.
0: Thank you. Please Thank tell you. everyone, uh, how they can check out everything you do, Brian Breaks Character, your coaching everything.
1: Sure. So uh, I think, you know, I'm always on Instagram. It's Brian Says That is my handle on Instagram. And uh, my podcast, Brian Breaks Character is all kinds of conversations with all kinds of different creative people uh, who are putting themselves out in the world um, and how to do that. And we got a bunch of cool freebies over there. If you come over there, if you've got any kind of creative business and you need support, I'd love to talk to you.
0: Fantastic. Thanks. Brian, thank you so much for thank your time. You. Have an awesome day, man.
1: Thank you. You too. Be well.